Welcome, good evening. Tonight's class was dedicated by Ushi and Sharon Bistamsky, and this is in honor of their son, Yisrael Noyach, Noah Bistamsky, whose birthday is on the 11th of Shvat, 19th birthday. May Hashem Benchim to have a really good year. A lot of success. Should grow in his learning and in everything in good health and uh, should bring you, the entire Bastamsky family, a lot of wonderful good nachas. Should only see happy, happy, happiness from all your children, great, great things. Okay. This week is Parshas Yisroi. And uh, we're doing the share Sunday night because I'm going to be out of town tomorrow. I mentioned Thursday that I was a little bit not so here. It's not feeling too well. So I hope tonight's class will go over well. Bezos Hashem. Um, I didn't want to skip because I was out of town. I mean, last, no, two weeks ago I wasn't feeling well. And then last week I was out of town. So I want to make sure that we're getting the classes going. Um, So, Parshas Yisro is an exciting parsha. Parshas Yisro is the parsha of the, <coughs> of the giving of the Torah. We have the Ten Commandments. And uh, one of the things that the Torah says in the Ten Commandments, one of the commandments is everybody's favorite, which is the commandment of observing the Shabbos. Anybody that observes the Shabbos and has Shabbos in their life recognizes that this is the most awesome gift. Beyond human, no human could ever have come up with something as unbelievably delightful. I mean, Shabbos, you can see it, you can feel it. Uh, even just on the most physical level, how Shabbos impacts us and what it does for our families, what it does for each and every, for our psyche, for our health, and for everything. When the Torah talks about Shabbos, it mentions Shabbos twice in the Ten Commandments. Rather, let's put it this way. Ten Commandments are repeated twice. Once is recorded twice in the Torah. Once over here in Shemos, in Exodus, Parshas Yisro. This is when it actually happened. And then when Moshe reviews the Torah, in Deuteronomy, in Devarim, Moshe in Parshas Vezchanon repeats the Ten Commandments. And it's slightly different. In our, in Parshas Yisro, it says, Remember the day of Shabbos, to sanctify it, to make it holy. And um, in Parshas Veschanon, it says, Shomer es Yom HaShabbos, observe the day of Shabbos. Sages say that both these things were stated by God at the same time. When Hashem gave us the commandment of keeping Shabbos, Hashem emitted the words, which a human being couldn't possibly do, two words at the same time, simultaneously. Remember Shabbos and, hear, and observe the Shabbos. Now, everybody, especially amongst the women, have the ex people know the expression, are you making Shabbos? So what does making Shabbos mean? Simply it means making gefilte fish, making kugel, making uh, cooking for Shabbos. That's the, that's the idea of making Shabbos. But, you know, all these terminologies that Jewish women use, they're all deeply Kabbalistic, even though they have no clue. So the concept of making Shabbos, which really means you're making Shabbos, which Shabbos is a holiness. Shabbos is a great, great holiness. It's a godly light, and making Shabbos means that we create that holiness, which um, one has to wonder, do we really make Shabbos? We would think that Shabbos is holy without us. Yom Tif, we know, we participate in the making of a holiday because we have to set the calendar. The calendar, the Jewish calendar, when we had a holy temple and when things are the way they should be, we participated in setting our calendar. Um, it's not completely set by God who was orchestrating, was orchestrating the, the whole uh, cycle of time. So it would have to do with how Hashem sets the planets into orbit, but it also is connected to us because the, 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 um, the great uh, Sanhedrin had needed to um, receive witnesses of someone that saw the new moon, and only when they can have the witnesses who saw the new moon, they sighted the moon, Bezin would decide which day was Rosh Chodesh, and based on that, 
they would set the calendar for all the holidays. So basically you couldn't plan, you know, you, people are busy making their, their hotel reservations for Pesach. So people like to get it done a couple of months before, if they're going to Thailand or they're going, I don't know where people go, it's like really every year I see all these new exotic places. In any case, so in the time of the sages, <coughs> in the time when the Beis Amigdash stood, not to, not to get anybody worried, you can't make your plans really for Pesach until two weeks before, because you're not going to know when Pesach is until the Rosh Chodesh Nisan. It's going to depend on the Beisden. Uh, and that's not so far off. It's a day earlier or a day later, but you really can't make your plans. So we can understand that making Yom Tif makes sense. You are making Yom Tif. I don't mean in the physical sense of cooking. I mean in the Jews are active in creating the holiness of Sukkot, of Pesach, depending, and God will follow us. Whenever we set the calendar, that's the way it is. But on Shabbos, we know, the Gemara says, Shabbos Migdush of Shabbos is woven into the very fabric of creation. Shabbos is set. We have no decision in Shabbos. Shabbos comes, we know it, it, it kicks in at sunset on Friday, and that's established by God, not by us. Any place, to, of course, we have to figure out when that is, but sunset is sunset. And we actually take it, we actually make Shabbos in the sense that we take it in a few minutes early. So that's our participation in making Shabbos. But at the essential day of Shabbos, there's nothing that we make. So why do the women say, are you making Shabbos? It's not such a big question. Because they mean something else. They mean, are you cooking for Shabbos? But there is depth. Because the Torah does say, Vishamru Shabbos. The Jewish people observe, should observe Shabbos. Lassos Esa Shabbos, to make the Shabbos. It doesn't say that here. It says it in two weeks from in three weeks from now. Something like that. Pashas Kisisa. It says Lassos Esa Shabbos, that we should make the Shabbos. Implying that we do create the holiness of Shabbos. And if you take a look at the words in this week's Parsha at the commandment, it says, You should remember the day of Shabbos to sanctify it, to make it holy. Which seems to imply that we make Shabbos holy. It's not only, the simple meaning is, we should do something in acknowledgement of the holiness of Shabbos. That's a simple thing. We make Kiddush, fulfilling the, the remembrance of the day of Shabbos, according to most opinions, it's by making Kiddush. You make Kiddush on Havdalah. You, you sanctify the Shabbos when it comes in, and you sanctify the Shabbos when it goes out. But on the simple level, that doesn't make Shabbos holy. That's only you're declaring, you're making it special to you, as Shabbos is already special without you. But you are acknowledging it. But if the Torah uses the word, Zohar as Yomar Shabbos, Lekacho, that you should make it holy, not only holy for yourself, not only you should observe it in holiness, but you should actually increase the holiness of Shabbos. So we have two verses seeming to, to, to support that phrase of making Shabbos. So, but on the other hand, as we said earlier, the sages tell us explicitly that Shabbos is holy on its own, and we're not making it. So in order to reconcile the both, we have to say as follows. Shabbos is intrinsically holy. Shabbos has an innate holiness unrelated to anything we will do. And that, when Shabbos comes, doesn't make a difference our status of our life and how holy we are and how pure we are and how hard we work during the week. We're swept up in the holiness of Shabbos. We can enter into that holiness. It's what we call a serusa de liela. It's completely done by an arousal from above. It's God's work, not us. He invites us into his Shabbos. That's it. And it's holy. This that we're saying, to make Shabbos, or to make Shabbos holy, means that when the holiness of Shabbos, as God made it, is completed, now God asks of us that we should ratchet up the holiness of Shabbos. That means that after God finished making Shabbos a holy day, He wants us to participate and become His partners and elevate Shabbos to much higher levels than Shabbos is on its own. Just like it is in all of creation. God creates a world, but He doesn't just want us to be, you know, uh, 
bystanders who stand on the side. The Abishta wants us to be active participants in the creation. As it says, that what? It says, lasos, that everything God made in the world, he made lasos, as, as Rashi says from the sages, lesakain, to correct, to fix. That means that God created things almost finished, and he wants us to always put the finishing touch. So God gives us this magnificent food called a potato, but you can't eat it until you peel it, or you, and you cook it, and then you get it ready for it to be eaten. And the same as he gives you wheat, wheat is not made for consumption. You have to take the wheat, and process the wheat into flour, and so on and so forth, and you make it into bread. Shem gave us wood from trees. Our job is we have to cart, we have to take the, the wood and build homes and fashion or metal and tools we take from other things and we fix the world, we improve the world. We make the world, we bring out its potential. Now the world is showing potential that it didn't show uh, for, for thousands of years. The amount of food that we're able to extrapolate from the earth. Uh, the earth was, you know, producing all the years, but now with modern technology and with all the systems that mankind has invented, we have become partners in God, with God. God loves it. He created us that we should partner with Him, L'sakein, to fix the world. That's on the simple level. On a spiritual level, the tikkun of the world means to remove the impure, to remove everything that's unholy, or even better than that, not to remove it, not to combat, combat the unholy, but to first crush it and then transform it. And then we can transform darkness to light, and then we create something much greater than God even made. Because Hashem made light and darkness, and our job, and what we're able to do, is we can take the darkness of the world and make from the darkness light. And the light that comes from darkness is a far superior light than light on its own. So we see that we have to be participants in everything. So just like we are participants in the mundane elements of the world, we also need to be participants in that which is already holy. Shabbos is already holy. It's in a holy day. But God says, please make it holier. So how do we make Shabbos holier? So let's analyze this Pasuk. The verse that, that, the, that, um, that Hashem opens the, from, from this week's parasha. Zachar es Yom HaShabbos. Remember the day of Shabbos. Lekacho to make it holy. So it's through this remembering process that we make Shabbos holy. So the Kabbalists say there's another deeper meaning. Shneir Zalman of Liadi in the famous discourse on this week's parsha says, Zohar, Zohar also means male. Shabbos we know is a Shabbos queen. Shabbos as God created it is feminine. And we know that in Shabbos itself there's actually two parts to Shabbos. Friday night is the feminine Shabbos. And Shabbos day is a more masculine Shabbos. However, in general, more dominating element of Shabbos is Shabbos as female. The commandment of Zohar Asyema Shabbos Lekatre means we need to do, we as the female, as God's wife, as the feminine element in creation, we need to masculinate the Shabbos. We need to make the Shabbos into male. And what does that mean? We'll soon see there's a phenomenal idea of what does this mean that Shabbos shouldn't only be a recipient of light, but Shabbos should rise to become completely unified with the origins of origins of origins, which is the male element, as we'll see. So that's how our contribution to Shabbos is hinted to in the word Zachor, which means male. But what does this mean? So to understand this, we need to understand what is Shabbos first? What's the natural holiness of Shabbos? And then we will understand what can we contribute in Shabbos to pick up the Shabbos much higher than where Shabbos was before. So where do we see that? Well, so in order to understand that, we'll first need to understand what the weekday is. We'll understand what weekday is. We'll understand what, because Shabbos is a direct consequence of weekday. Because what's the whole notion of Shabbos? The, the, the very simple definition of Shabbos is rest. But you, in order to rest, you need to first work. When you work, you can rest. Like you see, God created the world in six days. He worked. 
and then he rested. The notion of rest can only come after motion. After motion and exertion, you can speak of rest. I took a rest, but if you never did anything, you're sleeping on the couch the whole day, so what are you resting? A rest is after work. So when God did work for six days, then he rested. That means that Shabbos, by its very definition, is connected to the six days of the week. They're a pair. Six days you work, Shabbos you rest. So let's understand the spiritual dynamics of the weekday and Shabbos, and then we'll understand what is the source of holiness of Shabbos, and what is our increasement of that holiness. So the idea is as follows. Um, I'll add one more point, and that is Zohar, besides masculinating, Zohar also means remember. But in Rabbeinu Bachaya this week it says that if you take the word Zohar, the, the numeric value, the gematria of the word Zohar is 233. Zohar, 233. Then he says, you take the first two letters of God's name, God's name is Yud Kei Vav Kei, the Tetragrammaton. So you take the Yud and the He, which the Yud and the He is 15. You take the three, 233 and you add 15 to it. So it's 243 plus 5, 248. That's what he says. So, Zachar es Yehima means make Shabbos holy through the 248 commandments. That means, in truth, every mitzvah we are doing constantly is making Shabbos. So now when you say, are you making Shabbos, it's a much, it's, it means much more than just cooking on Wednesday, Thursday, or shopping on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and doing. It means everything you do, all week long, every good deed that a Jew does, is all part of the process of making Shabbos. Because 248 include all the positive commandments. So we need to understand, however, what's, what is, how does that, what's the relationship? How does, how does the mitzvah observance enhance or make the Shabbos? So to understand this, let's understand what is Shabbos on its own. So we know like this. We say Shabbos, Hashem, six days Hashem worked, and on Shabbos He rested. What's the significance of that resting? God obviously doesn't get tired. So what is the meaning that God rests? And the idea is as follows. When a person does any kind of a... does anything in their life, and when I say does, I don't mean only doing, doing. I mean even not an action. Any kind of a projection of energy, which obviously means to be alive. To be alive means to be engaged, to be involved. I mean anything other than just laying when you're just born and you're just yourself and you're not doing anything. I'm saying about any, any, kind, of, any kind of projection. You know, you're, you're daydreaming, even daydreaming. You're dreaming about something. So you're already emanating energy already into a specific you know, dream, into a specific mode. The essential human being, the life force of the person, has no fixed design. It just is a undefinable, um, an undefinable force of life. Right? So the moment you begin to what? Let's say you're, you're uh, I don't know, you want to... You want to innovate, you want to create something, starting all the way early, early in your process. You want to start a new company, you want to do something. So what are you doing? You're taking your, your pool of undefined energy, of un, unspecified life, because you could, you know, at this point, you can either become a doctor, you can become a lawyer, you can become an entrepreneur, you can create this project, you can create that project, you can be a teacher, you can be a philosopher, I mean, you can be so many things. Your energy can go into a million, gazillion different things. So when you're choosing something specific in which you want to be creative in and, or direct your life force in, so what you're doing already is you're projecting your energy outside of its source into something. Now, in the early stages of doing that, 
the energy is still very intense because it's still very close to your private self. No one knows about it. It's an idea that's still churning in your head, in your brain. It's like you're getting excited about something deep inside of you. So the energy is still pretty much deep inside. It's possible that it's so deep that no one will even notice it yet. No one even knows that you have a new idea that you're excited about. But then as you know, it moves from just a, a thought, a short little epiphany, and, and, and you begin to develop it into an entire structure, into an entire, you know, uh, uh, you build up already a whole, a whole scheme, then usually it's already moving into more of an outward state that people, because you're, you're far more, um, you're externalizing it, you're bringing it out. So people, if, you know, most of the time it's already more, it's closer to the outside, people might know about it already because you'll talk about it, but it doesn't necessarily, it's still in, still in an inward state. And then from the intellect, what's going to happen if, if it's sitting in your head for a while, what is it going to do? Hopefully, if, if, you, if, if it's going to get done, it needs emotion. You need to get excited about it. If you don't get excited about it, it's just a dry idea, then it's not going to, it's not going to have the ability to translate into reality. For something to translate into reality, it needs to pick up emotional energy, and that's excitement. So it goes from the intellect, so to speak, and it goes down to the heart. Now you get all passionate, you get all excited, you feel you have the best thing, you're going to make a billion dollars, or you're going to save the planet, whatever it is that's motivating you. You're all excited, you're passionate, you're fervent. So you got your energy, but now emotional energy is already more external than intellectual energy. Okay, so now it's out in the emotions. From the emotion, what happens next? But again, right now, it's still a powerful excitement about the general idea. Then, you have to start specifying it into particular thoughts. You have to specify it into particular thoughts. Because just the general force of an excitement to do something is, is too intense for it to, for, to, for it to make anything in this world. You have to break it down into the details. So that's when it starts now producing specific thoughts. Now while it's producing specific thoughts, the energy, you realize, is moving more and more and more out from where it was before you began the entire process, where it was just you. All it was was your, your life force. You as a human being that has an infinite potential of life force that's inside of you. Now you specified it, first as a general, a general direction then into a specific concept. Then, then that created an emotion, but the emotion is still, as we said before, a general charge and a passion for this thing. But again, it's, it's still too general. Now you're thinking a specific thought. In, in, in that particular thought, it became already far more particularized. And when it became particularized, the energy is now much weaker than when it was in the heart, when it was in the source, when it was in the emotion. But that's not enough. In order to get something done, what do you have to do next? It's not enough to think thoughts. You have to speak to people who will be help you do it. So you ever have situations where you're so excited about something, you're so excited, and you go into a meeting, you're like, you're bustling with excitement. Your thoughts are bursting with like, this is the best idea, and boom, 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 boom. And you go into a meeting, because you got an appointment with this whatever person who can make it real, and then you come out, and you're so frustrated. You don't know what to do with yourself because you realize that it's like from what you felt here to what came out over here is just not the same thing and you botched it up so badly and the person on the other end looked at you like you're crazy, like you're totally nuts, like you didn't, you know, and you know they just didn't get what you're saying. You know that it's awesome but they were totally, because you didn't convey it. You, didn't, you weren't able to spit it out. And that's because everything that comes from from concealment to revelation loses its potency. So we know that every time you express something into speech, it's much weaker than it is in thought. So then you need to, that's why there are certain professionals who know how to take thoughts and they know how to bring it down in the sharpest way into speech, into a very, very, very powerful presentation. But even when it is powerful, you're still losing something from the thought when it's going into speech. And then when you're translating that speech, and then you're translating into action, the energy is becoming even more specified. And we can say at this point, that very action that you're doing, whatever it is, the actions that are being done, it's the very same energy that was once part of your very, very being before you even had any idea. But now, 
this energy is kind of fixed, diminished, and trapped in, in that sentence, in, in the words, or in that action. And if you think about it, that's a very, 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 very long journey and minim, minimization, so to say, minimalization of that powerful energy. Because when it was became reduced and fixed into a phrase or even into words, whatever it is, even in, if you put it into an action, you kind of just, because that's the idea, everything that comes to a state of expression is going away from the essence. And this is all the way, in each level, every expression. So even just from your very being, as you expressed it in that first, first uh, as we said before, you're, 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 you're going to pursue something. That's already, a, that's already an expression. You already went out of the essence. And then for that to translate into a specific, a specific concept, a specific idea, and the specific idea to become, you know, to get, to get detailed, each one of these levels is kind of freezing the energy and diminishing it and limiting it lower and lower and lower until it becomes very, very diminished. Now, when human being, when your person does that, and that's what we're constantly doing, in order to make a difference in the world, in order to do anything, that's the process of production. If you're gonna be productive, you need to, people that are just swimming deep, deep inside themselves and cannot project outward, can bring their deep energy into intellect, into emotions, and into articulation, into, into organized thought and into articulation, don't have any impact on the world. Maybe some spiritual impact in the deeper realms of existence, but in the concrete reality, you can't change anything, you can't affect anything unless you reduce energy down to its minute, 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 um, specif uh, um, little crumbs of energy, so to speak, which are being translated all through the various stages of production as it's getting weaker and weaker and weaker until it's going out. So you need to do that. And everything we do in life is that process of taking energy from a very inward state and bringing it down, 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 down. Now for us, doing that is very exhausting. That's what makes us tired. When you, you get wiped out. At the end of the week, you're wiped out. Why are you wiped out? Because you took your energy and you focused it down into actions whether it's physical labor or even if it's mental labor, the fact that you, that you focused energy out from its greater pool of life, undefinable pool of life, and you're focusing it into specifics, especially if you're putting it into action or into speech, very external things where it becomes very, very limited, takes enormous amount of, of energy, it weakens you. So what happens when a person goes on vacation or a person relaxes? What does it mean to relax? To relax means you let go. And what happens when you let go? You allow all of your projected powers to, to return back into their source. In other words, you let go of it. Because let's say if you, if, you, if you were preoccupied with a specific project and your mind didn't have any space for anything else because you were zoning in to something specific. Now that you're done with it, you let go, and all the powers of the soul rise back up into you. And now you're laying on the beach, on a beach chair, carefree. You're not thinking about any of your projects. You're not thinking about any of the people and stuff. And you're just being, oh. everything just came back. Everything is back inside of you. And that's a very replenishing, refreshing uh, feeling that everybody needs once in a while to take the energy all back in. Can't project the entire time, okay? By God, it's a little different. Because God doesn't get tired by projecting outward. He doesn't get tired, because to him, creation is a total non-event. So it doesn't tire him out, God forbid, to say that Hashem got tired. But God goes through the same process, but infinitely, to an infinitely greater degree. Because God's creative energy is coming from an infinitely greater place than our creative energy. It's coming from God Almighty Himself, who has no definition, no specification. He's infinite in every possible way. So His energy and His life is totally one with Him, and He's Ein Sof, and without any definitions. As we say in Hasidus, Pashat Petachlis Apshit, simple with utter simplicity. 
And then when God focuses his energy down, where the Pasuk says, the verse says over there that Hashem, Hashem rested from the world that he made, that he did. It says something like that, from everything that Hashem did. What's the idea that everything Hashem made? It means that Hashem took this ensof energy that was once, once embedded and one with him himself, and he directed it outwards through myriads and myriads and myriads of contractions, literally, myriads of worlds, as that energy becomes more and more and more and more specified, detailed, limited, until it could come down to create a tulip, a butterfly, something, a green blade of grass. How does God, who's, who's undefined by anything, how does his energy then create such detailed specifics? because he, he reduces the infinite power to become very specified to the detail and details of details and details of details of creation. To him, it's not exhausting, but to the energy that was once part of the Ein Sof, that was once in him, free and as one with God, for it to be now constricted in, the, in this physical lowest form of existence like a stone, or a physical, or anything, even, even in the mighty galaxies. But still, the fact that it's defined in such a specific way is a very, very great descent, and in a sense, painful experience to the energy. Because it now, kind of, a free, a power that, is, that was once unhindered and undefined, is now sitting in a straitjacket. Can't move, stuck in being just this, and so on and so forth. So what happens every, every Friday night? When the six days of creation are over, when it comes, when transitioning from, from Friday to Shabbos, Hashem allows the energy to make its way back out from creation and to return back to its original state as it was completely one with Him. So what happens is literally the life force of the cosmos, of all of the world, begins a return journey, just like salmon. You know, they, they go out, or whatever, after they're born, and then when they have to come lay their eggs, they swim back upstream all the way up to their, where, they, where they were born. So it is with all the energy of creation. Everything makes this massive journey back to its source. It's only the difference is by the salmon when they're going back up, they're fighting, they're fighting the water, they're going the opposite direction. Here, it's actually the natural state of the energy to want to go back into its source. What's really happening is, this is compared to the process of tshuva. That's why Shabbos is the same letters as tshuva. What's the concept of tshuva? Tshuva means that the Eberster sent your neshama, Hashem sent a soul into this world, and we're here to do something great. We're here to project light, we're here to influence the world, make it holy and godly. But what happens if we mess up and we become disconnected? So, God forbid, as a result of the disconnection, it starts to cause us a lot of pain because we're disconnected and we feel stifled. We feel that we don't have any oxygen. We feel like we're dead. It's a very deep, dark feeling that a person can sometimes feel. Empty, lost, meaningless, depressed. It can be a horrible, horrible, horrible life Life, um, life. Um, what do you call it? Um, whatever you call it. In any case, um, it's a life crisis. And what happens? And, and, and at a certain point, the person says, I don't want this anymore. Whatever it is that has been blocking my soul from attaching to God, I don't want it anymore. I want back home. I'm going back home. So you see a person sometimes spin their life around and they, their entire life becomes all about reconnecting to God. And there's such a passion and there's such a fervor and there's such an excitement to the point that the sages say that we know that the place where the Balchuva stands, the perfect tzaddik cannot stand. Why? Because the tzaddik who maintains a connection all along never has that yearning, never feels that he, that because he never had the disconnect, so he never feels that 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 powerful 
need to return. But the one who became severed and the one who lost his connection to God, when this person has an awakening, and they, then they go back, and they go back with such intensity and with such power. And that's called Or Choyzer. There's two lights of God. There's Or Yashar, direct light, and there's Or Choyzer, there's rebounding light. So which light is more powerful? Or Yashar, direct light, God's light that he projects outward, or Or Choyzer, rebounding light, when light goes back to its source. So it says that the Or Choyzer, the returning light, is way, way, way more intense than the Or Yashar, than the projecting light, as the light goes running back to its source. So Friday, every Friday, by the time the end of the week comes along, the energy that has been invested in creation all week long and left its infinite source is ready, is ready to burst. It, it, it needs out. And, the, and Friday night, Hashem gives it its relief. As soon as Shabbos comes, it's a powerful turnaround and the world, literally the energy in creation, goes racing with the most intense, burning, yearning, and longing back into its source. If, if that's the case, you're going to ask the question, which should be the obvious question. If that's the case, then the creation should be undone. Then all physicality should become naught. Because the only reason everything exists is because God constricted his infinite power into something specific. Hashem directed his energy into a specific tree, into a, into a bird, into a grain of sand. But now that he's letting the energy go back out, the world should just disappear. So the answer that is given is the energy goes back, but it pulls, the, it pulls the world along with it into that elevated state. So what's really happening on Shabbos is the creation itself is following the energy that's creating it to be reabsorbed in its source. But if it's reabsorbed in its source, it's no more specific, right? It's not specific anymore because it's back in the greater pool of undefined energy. But that's the magic on Shabbos. The creation, literally, the physical creation is being sustained on Shabbos from the quintessential beginning of life before it was before it was specified. How? Because it's holding on to that spark while that spark is submerged back into its source. So being that it's a spark that was already designated to something specific, somehow it holds on to the properties of something specific. While it is swimming in the infinite pool of life and refreshing itself with the infinite refresher of going back into its source. So that's why we can understand why Shabbos, sometimes you wonder, why is it so refreshing? Why is it so rejuvenating? Because the world on Shabbos is in a whole different place. The world is back in the very, very quintessential, infinite pool of life. And that's why you can do, you can take Tuesday and try to observe it exactly like Shabbos. Shut your phone down, shut everything down, and mamish, make yourself a Shabbos. It will not be the same rest. It just won't do it because there's something magical about Shabbos. There's something in the very, in the very, in, in the ear. There's something in, in the world on Shabbos because the worlds are reabsorbed in their source. Now, when the worlds are reabsorbed in their source, what's the source? So we have to trace everything back to the very beginning. What's the beginning? So the process of creation, the process, this whole process of energy descending from a more general state into specific begins Kabbalistically in the level called Chachma. Chachma is the first of the, of, of the ten sefirot. When God decided to create the world, God decided to emanate of himself ten attributes. Okay? The first of those ten attributes is the divine intelligence. The first of the intelligence is the attribute of Chachma. Chachma is the flash, the initial de desire or the initial idea that God wants a world. What does he want? All the worlds, everything. That, 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 that first initial spark, bang. 
from that point of energy, which is Chachma, this is, comes everything. Comes all of creation. When I say all of creation, I don't mean only the physical. I don't mean the physical, in the physical universe is enough to get excited about. But not just the physical universe, all the spiritual worlds with angels and higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. This is an endless, 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 endless system of goes higher and higher. No matter how high you go, it's, it's first included in the one point, which is Chachma. And from the Chachma, which is called wisdom, all of creation and all of existence is diffused. What do I mean diffused? The energy emerges from stage to stage to stage. To... So the entire process that I discussed earlier of energy going down to the creation is a process that starts with Chachma and descends all the way, all the way down to the physical universe. The process of this crumbing down of the light, of the energy, specifying it, locking it, defining it, uh, constricting it. This whole process of constricting the life force is a process from Chachma all the way down to Malchus and all the way from all four worlds all the way down to the physical world of our, of our existence, of our creation. So when we say Shabbos, the Eibishter lets go and allows creation to, re, to re-enter its source, where is everything going back? It's going back to that initial flash of Chachma. Everything is returning back to God's first point where, crea- where, where creation begins. The first idea, I want to create a world, to that first, that first point of existence in its highest, most original state. That's where it all goes back to. Chachma, I'm not going to get into it right now, is called holy, Kodesh. That's why Shabbos is called Shabbos Kodesh. Because on Shabbos, everything goes back. And we can understand why it's called Kodesh, because Kodesh means holy. And what is holy? Holy means that which is godly, that which is removed. Holy means that which is removed. You see, this point of Chachma, because it's still before the specification, it's just a point. It hasn't, doesn't have yet any specification. Remember, the process of specification only happens when it moves into the next stage where you're already constructing and designing and thinking thoughts and emotions. That's when it's all beginning to take on shape and form. So that's not called, re- that's not called removed because that's part of the architectic, that's part of the blueprint, that's part of the plan. That's kind of part of creation. Even though it's still happening within Hashem, it's not considered the removed element because it's still part. But Chachma is still before the entire thing. Chachma is it's still the point that's touching the infinite. And there's no definitions yet in Chachma. That's why Chachma is called Kodesh. And that's why Shabbos is called Shabbos Kodesh. Because the entire world goes back into that quintessential point of beginnings of beginnings. And over there it's, re- it's touching the infinite and replenishing itself from the infinite source of life. That's also the reason why it is also called Shabbos Bereshis. We know that Shabbos is many times in, in, amongst the sages referred to as Shabbos Bereshis. Shabbos Bereshis, we're used to, means the first Shabbos of the year is called Shabbos Bereshis. Uh, we read Parshas Bereshis. But the truth is, every Shabbos is called Shabbos Bereshis. Why is it called Shabbos Bereshis? Because Chachma is called Reshis. Reshis Chachma. Why is Chachma called Reshis? Because Chachma is the first attribute. It's the beginning of beginnings. So it's called Reshis. Reshis is the beginning. Reshis Chachma. Since everything is going back to the beginning of beginnings, everything is called Shabbos Bereshis. Now this experience for the divine energy is exhilarating. And really, it's exhilarating for anybody that can sense this. Anybody that can tap into this elevation, to this return of energy back to its source. It's, it's an amazing exhilaration and it brings joy and ecstasy and pleasure in all realms of existence, even down here, that it affects even food to taste better on Shabbos because everything is in a state of charged. Basically, Shabbos, everything is charging in its source. Everything is charged. Like the phone is charging and then you feel, it's like you feel stronger, the phone. Everything is strong on Shabbos because everything is in charging mode. Everything is back connected to its quintessential source and one with its source. So that is Shabbos on its own. To affect that, we don't have to do anything. 
that happens, that's kind of part of the system. During the week, God, charge, God projects outward, and Shabbos, he relaxes, lets the world do tshuva. Shabbos is the letters. Shabbos, if you rearrange the letters, you have the word tashev. Tashev means to return. There is a cosmic tshuva. All of creation is returning back to its source. But now comes, now comes our participation. Once we established what Shabbos is onto its own, now we'll understand what we can activate in Shabbos. Where is everything going back to? Everything is going back to creation as creation is in its first initial, initial point in God's mind. Very powerful. But there's another thing. There is creation, and then there is the purposive creation. Now, what does God want out of the creation? Chachma is the beginning, beginning, beginning. It's straddling the beginning of the project and connecting to the projector of the project. Again, it's not yet the project. It's that point between the project and the projector, between the, the, uh, the innovation and the innovator, right? It's that point where the two connect. But there is, whenever you're doing something, there is the underlying subconscious satisfaction that sometimes you don't even realize. Like, why do some people go into medical school? And other people seek, uh, you know, law school, and other people want uh, to go into space exploration, and other people want to learn zoology. Like, wh wh why, why do people take, you'll say, whatever, I don't know, my friend was going, obviously, you know, a little person's a little deeper. What is motivating you? What's driving you to a specific study or, 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 or pursuit in life? And other people, uh, more in the in um, whatever whatever it is in construction or whatever. What, what is it that that pushes a person into a specific thing? So generally, it has to do with something. With sometimes it it could be just because circumstance. This is what happened. That's true. But most or a lot of most of the bigger decisions people make in their lives are connected to deeper subconscious powers and um, forces in their, beyond their conscious psyche that kind of direct them or, 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 or should say that they're not really feeling it, but it's somehow what's, what's stimulating or pushing them into certain areas of exploration or so on and so forth. So we know like this, Chachma, in, in our experience, Chachma is the first epiphany of consciousness. It's, it's, it's where, you know, your, all your ideas start. You're, 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 you have an idea, you have a, and we went through it before, you have an idea, then you get excited, then you get to, to into, the, into, the, into, the, into the production part of it, and so on and so forth. But then, there is, when an idea flashes in your head, it's coming from somewhere. Right? We all have a, 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 a we all sense that when we have a concept, we have an idea that flashed in our head, that that idea came from some. And we try to wonder where did it come from. So the Pasuk says, Vahachma me'ayin timatzei. Chachma comes from a place called ayin. Comes from nowhere. That means we can't identify. When you have a, a flash of chachma in your head, you can't identify where that chachma is coming from. You know it's coming from somewhere, but it's like, boom. So what's that ayin? That ayin is called the superconscious. That's the level of keter. That's the powers of the person that are not yet, you can't be conscious really of them that much because the energy is not yet specified enough for you to be able to experience them. It's like, it's like the powers of the soul when they're very, very raw, very inward, and very one with the soul itself. On that level of being, of that level, it's not even so much a power of the soul, it's the soul itself, Powers you can experience, because they have already some definition. But these are not powers, these are just the soul itself. So what's the experience over there? The outer layer is will, desire, will. And the deeper level of that is pleasure. That means that the underlying, underlying force, 
behind all motivation and all, and all um, drive in a human being is, a, is, a, is, 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 that, is the pleasure of your soul. And depending of who you are and what, in your core essence, what your pleasure is, which you don't know, because the essential pleasure on such a deep level is completely beyond our consciousness. But it kind of, we can have a certain sense of it. And that's why when we, when certain, as I said earlier, certain people explore this and certain people go, you want to have an interest in this. Some people have interest in nature and this. People have different kind of things that interest them that has to do with this core pleasure in their inner being, which is kind of shaped different than every person based on who you are as a soul. So what I, what I mean by that is as follows. We, have, we experience pleasure all the time. We, there's pleasure in everything in life. So many things that have pleasure. But these are just tiny tidbits of pleasure. The real, real core pleasure in the human being is deep, deep, deep in the subconscious. All pleasure that we have in life is like almost like just a tiny little leak of pleasure. Because that, that place of pleasure, we don't really have direct access to it. It leaks. It leaks into various different things, and we have pleasure. It's like this little drop of oil that's leaking, so to speak, from this, from this deeper, more core, greater pleasure. But what do we see? An interesting thing. We see that when a person is studying something, and you have a, a flash of insight, you, have an, you, 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 you discovered something new, what happens? So the first moment when you discover something new, you have this very, very, very rich or very intense sense of pleasure. We, 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 we all have it when we're trying to understand something and we were working on something and suddenly, I got it. There's such a deep, especially the harder it was and the deeper it is, the more you become filled with pleasure. So you'll say, well, yeah, wisdom is pleasurable. But wisdom is pleasure when it's like a piece of gum. You know everybody the pleasure of the when you put a piece of gum in your mouth? Like for the first three minutes. After that you wonder why in the world are you chewing this thing? Right? Where's the garbage? But that initial pleasure, the sensation is there at the beginning. Same is also with concepts and ideas. The pleasure is there only at the beginning. When a concept becomes old in your head, there's no pleasure anymore. Why is, if if the wisdom itself is pleasurable, if you like chocolate, and chocolate is pleasurable, so then as long as you're eating chocolate, the chocolate, why does it wear off? Why isn't it like chocolate? Why is it like gum? Because by gum it wears off. Why does it wear off? Because the gum itself is rubber. I don't know what it is, the gum. They're putting in mint or whatever into it. So you get all the mint out, afterwards it's tasteless. The pleasure, the chachma itself, the wisdom, is not the pleasure. The wisdom, since wisdom is your first revelation of your soul, that's why it's the closest to the subconscious or the superconscious rich you, your ocean of life, your very being, which is infinitely pleasurable, which we can't feel, because if we would feel it, we wouldn't do anything, we'd just be soaking in our own pleasure. So that pleasure is closed, we don't feel it, we don't know the pleasure of life. But where do we feel it most? When the, when, the, when the window from the subconscious to the conscious opens up, and where does that window open up the strongest? In Chachma, because Chachma is that window that bridges the subconscious to the conscious, the superconscious, let's say, to the conscious. That's why when you open that window and, in a, and, and a piece of Chachma falls into your head, a, a, a drop of wisdom falls into your head, a concept, a, a, an epiphany, a new idea, Along with it, you just got a whiff of life, of raw energy, and that's pleasure. So the pleasure, but since it's not the Chachma itself, it's that breath of air that came along with the Chachma, it's like the wind that came in, the wind of your very essence that came in, it's there only for a little bit. Once it gets old, it, uh, the wind is, you don't feel that pleasure anymore. In Kabbalistic terminology, that means that the innermost of the keter, of the crown, which is the sub superconscious powers, 
have now emerged into the chachma, into your consciousness, and that's where you experience pleasure. When we understand something, that as great as wisdom is, as great as knowledge is, we would become dried, as dried out human beings, if we could not connect to that pleasure place. The, the, what makes everything in our life um, lubricated, if I can say, if, if everything in our life has, 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 has a, 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 a um, our motors run smoothly and we don't get cranky and heavy and dead and stuff like that, is because of this, I'll call it the pleasure oil that's dropping constantly in our life from our superconsciousness into our consciousness, little tidbits, little, little puffs of this pleasure of the higher soul that give meaning into everything that we're doing and give you pleasure. And that's, why you're, that, that, that's what makes a person, a person loses their pleasure in life, God forbid, then they're, they wither and they, God forbid, there's no life there anymore. So even if the technical parts of their life, even if their technical elements of, it's like you see, you know, people sometimes, they work on certain projects, and in the beginning, in the early stages, like they had a lot of pleasure in this, in this work. And then, they're such experts, they're doing all their work, but the pleasure element isn't there anymore because it got old, and like, they're not alive. They're alive, they're doing their duty, but there's no youthfulness there. There's no energy there because there's no more pleasure there. So we understand that the pleasure, when pleasure is there, the enrichment is not just a little enrichment. The enrichment is the greatest enrichment because now it's not just the system, it's the very you. It's, your, it's, not, it's the very core of life that's invested in this, in this, in all the power of a person's projects or whatever it is that you're doing. Same applies to God. Shabbos, on its own, is everything going back to the original plan. Everything going back to the original plan, to the original epiphany, to the original chachma, to the original point of the intelligence that begins all of creation. But that's not enough. Where's the pleasure element? What Does God have pleasure from the creation? God sends all this powerful energy to create a universe, does he have pleasure? What does he have in out of this creation? So let's say good for the creation when it when it zooms back into its source, it's wow. Because chachma, can you imagine the, the potency of that first epiphany of that all of the cosmos and all of the spiritual worlds are all concentrated in this one point, and everything is now returning back to that super undefined energy of God. That's the source of all of existence. It's unbelievable. Powerful, but it's nothing compared to the infinite, endless light of God that's called the pleasure of God that's infinitely above it. How do the two connect? How do you infuse the keter, the, the pleasure, the, the, the crown, into the chacham? And the answer is that's what it means we have to make Shabbos. The only thing that gives God pleasure. Is not creation. What gives God pleasure is our, conver our convergence of darkness to light. When we take the dark things in this world, the negative things, the things that obscure God, the things that hide Hashem, the things that don't seem to have any relationship with God and with purpose and with meaning, and we use all these things and, and unify them with holiness, if we can take something that has up till now been an obstacle in our lives, and able to rise a bomb to the challenge and work with it and, 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 and realize that the obstacle really, I can turn it around and make it help me be a better Jew or be a better human being and be able to connect Hashem in a better way. The transformation of darkness to light or on even a simpler level, by taking any bit of the material of this world and using it in a mitzvah, that's taking dark stuff because the, everything in our world, before we fix it, is considered klipa, it's considered unholy. And when we use it for kedusha, we convert darkness to light. That, that accomplishment of transforming darkness to light gives God a thrill. It, it registers, not in Chachma, 
it registers in God's what we call superconscious. It registers in the Ein Sof at the point of this infinite pleasure. That's the source of all pleasures, which is. And what happens is, every mitzvah that we do causes the pleasure of the Ein Sof to connect to the creation, to the Chachma. In other words, creation becomes pleasurable. It's like, I'll give you an example. You can be in your office for many months and doing the same thing as we said before, and it becomes so boring and so uninteresting and so, what do you call, uh, whatever. Um, uh, what is it, what, what, would, what would be the word? Stale, it becomes stale and uninteresting. But then it so happens that there's something that caught your attention, one particular, I don't know what, and um, within your work, and kind of now you have reason, you, you can't wait for Monday to be back in the work. Because you're just, you, you have this particular project, this particular thing that's just now so interesting, it's so exciting. And it like re-engages the very you, and then it's not just, you know, you're just doing the things. You're involved, and you're engaged, and you're excited, and you're fully there. It's the pleasure has been, been, been reinserted into the whole thing. That's then everything, it's a game changer. Everything is different. And that's, the, that's where we participate in Shabbos. Shabbos on its own is a system. God creates, he projects, and then he allows everything to come back into its source. That's the journey. It begins from Chachma all the way down to the world, and then on Friday, everything returns back to its source. But as a result of all the mitzvahs that we do during the week, which, what's the idea of doing mitzvahs? 248 commandments. As we said before, Zachar, remember, together with Yudke, with 15. Which means directing everything in this world, all the physical stuff in this world, through our mitzvahs, towards Hashem. That's the Yudke, Zachar, Yudke. It's that returning of everything back to its source. What happens then? What happens then? Then that creates from above that we, we increase the holiness of Shabbos infinitely more. Why? Because it's not the holiness of Chachma, it's the holiness of Keser. It's the holiness of God Himself. And that's the meaning when I said Zachar means that it shouldn't be feminine, but it should be masculine. Why? Chachma is the first, the beginning. It's the first, I maybe said earlier, Chachma is the first level of existence. But if it's the first level of existence, why is it called Reish, it's, and how do we see it? Because it's called Reishis. Reishis is the beginning. Reishis Chachma. But if it's, if, if it's really the beginning, why is it called Reishis, which is female way of saying first? Why not Rosh? Rosh is masculine in Hebrew. Why is it Reishis? The answer is, it's the beginning of creation, so it's the head. But it's still a recipient. Chachma doesn't have anything of its own. Chachma, as we said earlier, needs to receive from higher. That's what's called Reishis. Who is Reish? Who is the head, not Reishis? Who is the head? The head is, is the Eberster himself, not Chachma. Chachma is already is an attribute. Reish, Pnimius HaKeser, the innermost of the crown, which is really another way of saying God Almighty himself. That's Reish, that's the head. So when we say Zohar as Yoyim HaShabbos L'Kachoy, make means masculinate the Shabbos, means you and me, all of us, in our everyday activities, this entire week, we will have the opportunity all the time through learning Torah, through doing a mitzvah, through helping someone, any mitzvah that we're doing that involves brightening up this world a little bit. Whatever it is, is giving God a thrill and a purpose in all of creation. Everything else that's happening in all the infinite spiritual worlds is not having that effect because they don't have darkness to transform to light. And that can't create the thrill. The thrill, the pleasure is reserved for one thing, only when darkness is, 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 is transformed. So that's the commandment. Lasso sesa Shabbos. We have to make the Shabbos. Shabbos is fantastic. Shabbos is holy. 
Chachma is holy, it's great. It's a perfect system, but it's a system without a soul. We, the Jewish people, are the soul of creation. We give it the pleasure. We give it the delight. We give the Eberster a reason to create it. Not just a reason, we give him a deep sensation and a thrill in creating it. So we really have to make Shabbos thrilling to God. Now what happens is Friday night is all of our mitzvahs that were done and everything that we, when, when, the, when the world's, when the life force of creation is racing back into its source, it races up with all of our good deeds. When does it release the pleasure in God? Friday night. Because Friday night, it's when it, when it re-rets. Until Shabbos, everything is down here. Come Shabbos, the energy of creation goes back up with all the good deeds that we've done. And what does it do? It creates an explosion of pleasure up there in beyond, beyond, beyond the Esser Sfirot, beyond all worlds, in the Eberster himself, in Pnimi Yisakesser. It stimulates the pleasure. Shabbos day is when God emanates that pleasure back into the world. That's why Friday night is the feminine Shabbos, is the rising upwards, we're racing up towards him. Shabbos day, the Eberster is descending, masculine light, he's projecting his newfound pleasure, and therefore his newfound excitement in being, being in creating the world, he's projecting that back into the creation to each and every one of us, so that we can um, have a higher and deeper and more meaningful connection to him. And ultimately, uh, we bring about the complete fusion of Hashem and the world with the coming of Mashiach. May it be now.